0: This is Rumble Strip America Heilman. So just start again. <clears throat> and maybe say what it's called.
1: It's it- called Rear View, because I got a habit of constantly looking at my past instead of my future. All right. Looking back is my best habit. Past images with that same passage. I know there's a message, but ignorance is my only guidance. I know all things just don't happen well, only the ones when I lose grips from being my own captain. But looking back seems to be my only understanding. Damn, I gotta make this change, man. But still, past tense holds me captured.
0: That's T.O. I interviewed T.O. back in the summer of 2017. He had just gotten out of prison, where he has spent the majority of his adult life. And he was trying to figure out what to do next. After we met, T.O. found employment. He enrolled at the Community College of Vermont. Things were going well. But what does it feel like to start a brand new life? It turns out it's complicated. Fair warning, there's lots of profanity in this story. Here's Tio.
1: Now, right now, um, this is our second interview, and we're in Cots. Kotz, uh, it's like a day station where, you know what I mean? If you're homeless, you could come use a computer, they feed you, you could take a shower, you know what I mean? Like, you could get your mind right, you know what I mean? So, this was a place I want you to know and understand this is how I start my point A. You see what I'm saying? In order to get any type of rectif rectification in life. You see what I'm saying? So from the time we parted, like you said, I found employment, shelter and education, you know, working, school, all of that. I felt the the life of living plain. It felt it felt good. It was it was a wonderful feeling. But it opened up shit, you know what I mean? They taught me how to, like, speak, you know what I mean, in a respectable way. They were just cool, you know what I mean? The teachers, the professors, that was my first time in class. A real school, in, except in, like, in the 90s, you see know what I'm saying? It was prison. I got, I got my fucking GED in fucking Comstock, New York, you know what I mean? So going to this class, it was like it was like my, my shower, you know what I mean, my spiritual shower. And work. I was just, like, actually feeling like a man, you know what I mean? It felt good to actually be paying bills and actually, you know, doing something for yourself and showing society that you're more than just a felon, you see what I'm saying? Which was a blessing.
0: Can you talk a little bit about kind of wading into a world of school and, and what your feelings were about the people who were there with you?
1: Like I said, that school was, like, the first time since the 90s going in there Remember, I'm not used to just civilians in, in class. I'm used to convicts in class, inmates. So we move a certain way. We don't stare. We don't like talk over you. We don't cut in front of you. You know what I mean? Everything because the shit get deep. You know what I mean? But I'm getting bumped. My chair getting kicked. <laughs> my tray getting knocked over. I'm like, yeah, I'm a bitch. You know what, <laughs> what I mean? Like, what the fuck? I'm a, uh, yeah, I mean, excuse your me, But yeah, you know I mean? I'm like, what the fuck? And then they added to, like, when. We had to do a a project on, uh, like, describing yourself, you know? And I don't care, you know what I mean? I let people know I'm not familiar or teach me, you know what I mean? I have no problem saying shit like that. But when they found out I was in prison, oh, my God, the wrong flock started coming. You know what I mean? It was like some of the kids started saying stupid shit about convicts and shit like that. Yeah, like... The system is fucked up. They we should get the electricity back. And, I mean, just little, little hooks, little hooks. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, the same individuals that was basically talking about prison is the same ones doing projects with me now. You see what I'm saying? So it was like they introduced me to this educational world. I introduced them to reality. It, it, you know what I mean Like it's a fucking big world out there dude Be careful for real Especially with some hot ass shit like that coming out your mouth You know what I mean So they, they we grew on each other But being around individuals that's doing something with they self You know what I mean Actually you know what I mean Successful with they shit it's a, It pushes you to be successful You see what I'm saying It pushes your steps So it was, it was pushing me It was pushing me It was pushing me I liked it that But then I'm stepping back out Because the area that I was living in it was like busy, like constant drinking, fighting, whatever else, you know what I mean? So coming back from being educated and then going back to my area that I was staying at out here, it was like a pull. And so that's like the battle. People know you from one way, you know what I mean? From when they last seen you, you was a knucklehead, you was this, you was this, but now you're coming back another way, but they don't know how to talk to you except on that one way they knew you, you know what I mean? Not a new way you're trying to talk. It's like, now, it's like, they want to com- compete with you. Yeah, like, grab you back. Or oh, if you're not on their level, you know what I mean? You looking down on them. And I'm like, what the fuck?
0: Wait, so this whole thing about... So you're saying that you had your school life, your work life, but the people that you were living with or around were people you had known before, yes. before you went to jail?
1: Yeah. There's the people that only knows me out here is people from prison. You see what I'm saying? So... That's the only people that associate with me because I'm not actually, like, you no know, friend.com-ass person that be looking for friends. You know what I mean? So it's like people that do know me, they going to tell their friend or something like that. So they only know me one way.
0: So at this point, you were you were still working? So were you having this weird kind of bifurcated life where you were doing one thing during the day and another at night?
1: Yes. I was the, like, going to school, working all that other shit, but at nighttime fucking with my homies. You see what I'm saying? So it's like I'm on... Some seesaw shit. You see what I'm saying? Like, all right, I'm up and about with all these legit nerd-ass people. But then when I get home, I'm about with these hood-ass niggas right here. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm in the middle. You know what I mean? But I'm trying to learn the nerdy-ass way. You know what I mean? Because I got the hood way on Smash. You know what I mean? But I want to learn this shit. But then you get confused because when the hood shit is going to stay in you and the nerdy motherfucker say something crazy, you find yourself in a uh, situation. And that's how I lost my job. I had a fight in the back of the job. You know what I mean? Because I took his words—something that we don't say to each other—he said said to me, and I didn't think. I just reacted. I didn't get locked up though. He just let me leave. See?
0: I mean, was it with just like a weird communication problem? What What happened at work?
1: It It was insecurity, and I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I'm—I don't know. You know what I mean? But his mouth said some crazy shit, and I felt threatened. Like when if somebody else would have said that, I knew my life was on the line. So I'm like, damn, that's why I say I need to get out that street shit. Because I'm like, damn, I'm at work. They talk shit at work. You see what I'm saying? But I learned that after I lost my job. <laughs> after I lost the shit, I'm sitting there smoking a cigarette, watching cable. Like, I'm supposed to be at work. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? But that's what made me start drinking again. Now I'm like, I'm fucking up. Like, I built this little empire. I'm fucking up. I'm fucking up. Start drinking it. Next thing you know, I ain't going to go to school. Next thing you know, I was on the run.
0: Why didn't you, why couldn't you hold on to that new life? What happened?
1: What happened is you can't feed a baby steak because it it'll choke. So I jumped into something like blind leading the blind. You know, so I'm like, fuck it. Yo, plain life. No hustling. None of this, none of that. But I wasn't aware of what goes along with all that shit, you know what I mean, all the trials and tribulations that's riding that, and I'm chasing this, you know, legit frame of mind, but not knowing it's crushing me, started, like, making my mind messed up, so,
0: what was, what was messing your mind up?
1: Changing, like, this change that I'm, I'm supposed to be so committed to, it, it was like, Felt as I was losing grip on what direction to go in. You see what I'm saying? Like, but this road I'm going, seems seemed harder than, you know what I mean? Like, it's harder than the life I was living before, just for a plain life.
0: So why do you hang out with people? Why can't you, if you're working and you're going to school, how is this other life or these bad places at bad times still in your life? Hmm.
1: Well, everybody likes company. Just because I'm unfamiliar with how to, like, utilize my uh, productive skills and know how to talk or educational and shit. Now nah, I like to be around somebody that's not going to judge me for my non-educational, verbal, linguistic style, whatever. You know what I mean? So, I'm going to have people around me that has a background. You know what I mean? Like, some type of downfall that knows my pain similar to his pain. You know what I'm saying? So, that's... It's not that I need people around me, you know what I mean? But it's good to have somebody around you that went through something. And I just happen to have those type of people around me that went through something.
0: What What does it have to do with love?
1: It has plenty to do with love. See, people think love means when your mom's and pops be changing your diaper and giving you big Christmas gifts and shit like that. Nah, my first real love was basically... A OG dude. You see what I'm saying? Actually, an OG is a old-time gangster. You know what I mean? Like, well-respected, shit like that. And he pulled me in because so much shit was happening in my life. I know he gangbanging. I know what type of time he was on. I didn't give a fuck. You know what I mean? He was treating me like the father I never knew. You know what I mean? So guess what? I'm gangbanging. I'm doing that, and I'm pulling dudes in like that. So, like, the old me is used to that type of love. Y'all call it dirty love. I call it just right. Give it to me. I know they say insanity is doing the same shit and expecting something different in return. Because <laughs> I be doing the same shit and expecting something different in return, and I's it's, it's, call me insane then.
0: You're you're trying to make a life that you don't even you you you've never even seen.
1: Mm-hmm. Shit about I saw it on TV and I want to be it. Bottom line, I like the comfortability. I like the freedom. I love to eat. I need it. I need it.
0: But the thing that's that's really striking about it is you're you're making up a brand new life that you don't that which is an act of faith because you've never seen it or lived it before. So everything that you know, everything that's familiar, everything that's given you anything that you've ever gotten, you have to leave behind for something that is a total mystery to you. Exactly. So that's a huge leap of faith.
1: Like a unicorn or some shit, you know what I mean? But it's something, but I'm gonna I'm find that unicorn and I'm gonna ride that motherfucker. But I tasted it, little small bits of it, when I was independent, you know what I mean? I had my own house key, you know what I mean? Like I tasted that and it felt great, literally great.
0: Do you believe? And would you even know if you believed? that you're on your way out of this cycle?
1: My understanding, every time I plan something, the shit never go according to plan. So I just begin to be like, yo, fuck it. Do this and keep it like that, straight, whatever. You know what I mean? Focus on that. And however you get there, you are gonna get there the best you can. You know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? Eventually I'm gonna get there. I'm, I mean, I got a lot of growing to do. I can admit that, you know what I mean? Regardless of how old I am, I can admit that. But you can't shake off some dark, cloud over you like that some you know what i mean like you got this shit on your back you just can't shake it off like that you know what i mean and then like i told you like i was ready to go back like fuck it that's how I, I would i just was fucked up but i was ready to go back to that world to my other home you know what i mean and jail jail prison yes <laughs> prison yes and it's crazy like i got to ask my psych, i said how the fuck do i know all the rules in prison but i don't know shit about society Like you can you can take me north east south and west you know what I mean in any prison any prison to know the rules from day one like ASAP but you can take me north east south and west in society I'm scared I'm like the new motherfucker coming in jail now old pussy and shit you know what I mean but now in society I'm scared you know what I mean so it's like how do you get that shit off how do you get it off how do you get it off
0: It seems like it's really hard when you're in the system to leave it behind.
1: That world inside of a world is my second home. And it may sound funny, we do things and wear it like a badge, like a badge of honor. Not the badge of honor of the fact that we was incarcerated or locked up, but the badge of honor of we graduated that shit. You see what I'm saying? And the hard part about graduating that shit, that shit is a part of you now. You see what I'm saying? And not just a small part of you. It has to be a major part of you for you to be alive. You know what I mean? To that day. So it's like you're suited up and booted up with your own protective gear. against fuck the world. You see what I'm saying? So you got this mentality. It's going to be your helmet, your safety gear and everything. Now, as you coming out here, you want to strip these little garments off you. But it's, it's not. It's like I, I feel more comfortable like in my own comfortability, what I'm used to, regardless of how much I'm trying to snatch what I'm used to away, I still find myself back in the same situation. You know what I mean? You lost. You know what I mean? You lost. You lost.
0: So that was supposed to be the end of the show. I wish that were the end of the show. But a couple weeks after that conversation with T.O., I got a call from my friend Susan Randall, a private investigator and the person who had introduced me to T.O. in the first place. She calls him Corey, which is his real name, and she told me that he'd gone off the rails, that he'd shown up high to her office and really scary and paranoid. At the time, she didn't know why this was happening, but neither of us thought we could run the show without knowing more. And in order to begin to understand the dark turns that Corey sometimes takes it's important to understand where he came from. So yesterday, Susan and I paid him a visit in Burlington. Here's Susan talking about when she and Corey first met back in 2012.
2: So I met Corey um, at the jail. I went down to Cheshire County Correctional, which is in New Hampshire, Um, and immediately liked him. You know, he's this very charismatic, good looking, smart, interesting, kind of fierce uh survivor. And in that first meeting I made the comment to him, like, Clearly you're highly intelligent. Like clearly you're really smart. And there was this look that just came over him where it was like this plant that hadn't been ever watered. It was like oof, oof, oof. But it was kinda like seeing that. I mean he just was so starved for uh, any kind of affirmation at all about who he was as a person. And and then I worked on his case, and I pulled all the records, as we do, so you can sort of get all the paper documents that show, like, this is what happened in this person's life. And his backstory was really one of the more horrific uh, cases of early childhood, extreme abuse and trauma, cigarettes getting put out on his face, Uh, And he'll tell you this. I'm not violating any privilege here that he wouldn't... I mean, he's said it's okay for me to talk about it. Otherwise, I wouldn't. um, But yeah, his mom was a prostitute. He doesn't know who his father was. Um, He and his his older brother were left on the front stoop in their diapers, uh, and the neighbors called State Child Protective Services after nobody came home. And he was put into foster care, where he again suffered extreme abuse and... um, you know, he's been objectified and molested and abused most of his life. And then, so that's when I met him. And uh, and we became friends, you know. And then he started having me be the keeper of his record. So because he knew he doesn't have any family or anybody stable, he would start sending me all of his poetry. And so he started writing poetry while he was in prison. I did that for him over the last seven years I've been like the keeper of the record there have been times when he gets out where he's like like clear water like he's very zen and very available and it's like all the sand has settled and it's like clear water it's really lovely and then there's times that he shows up here and he feels like a wild animal and he actually kind of snarls and it's like everything's shaken up and the water's super murky and I'm like I have had times that I'm afraid I'm going to come out to my car and if he's higher than a kite, he's going to have convinced himself that I'm on the wrong side. And so I just I just keep kind of loving him right on through. And I'm like, stop throwing my name around and don't show up at my office and tell my whole office that I'm working with the DEA. And I'm like, you know, conspiring to, like, bring you down. Don't tell a bunch of crackheads that I'm doing surveillance on them when I'm not. or I'm going to get my front teeth kicked out. Buzz me in. He's here. Oh, that means he's probably at the door. Okay. Um. All right. So part of what happened was, I was clearly like, "This isn't the Corey that I know."
0: At that time, at
2: that time, it was like I had no idea what was going on, and I didn't know when it was going to end. I could, I could feel that we had like a car off the rails, and I didn't know how bad it was going to go. So I just said, "Put your show on ice until we know what's actually going on." And I'm an unconditional ally of yours, but that wasn't you. So I'm actually very relieved to know that who I met when you came in here was somebody that is you disconnected from you. You may have been in your physical body. Your eyes weren't the same. Your mouth wasn't the same. Your voice wasn't the same. Your teeth didn't look the same. (laughs) Everything was different. So I was like, I don't know what's going on with Corey, but he is full-blown spinning out. Let's talk about that.
1: I injected. Over 60 cc's, at least every 30 minutes, of blue meth in my neck. Okay. For eight days, I was shooting up after three deaths in one week. I never respected needles, never respected none of that. No disrespect to nobody, right. but I ain't feel shit after that. I didn't okay. feel nothing.
0: Why did you do it the first time, that day, the first day of I eight? I
1: came back from burying three people, and I didn't want to feel. That's it.
2: His mom died right around this time frame. He had a bunch of funerals. So who died? Who else died?
1: My uncle and my cousin. And your mom? Yeah, my mom's the first.
0: What, what made you stop?
1: Before I picked up this needle that was dark blue yeah. and put it in my neck, I saw my mother's reflection because I used to look in the mirror, and I seen my mother. She was like, boy, if you take that needle, you're going to die.
0: You saw your mother's face, but what I what I've never heard you say is who she is. She's was a renegade
1: two. prostitute that I left her at three years old because she chose drugs over us. I was built off this shit. You know what I mean? Born in, not sworn in. I ain't take no pledge. I was just coming from the head. Mm-hmm. And my, by me going through that, I understand how powerful that shit is. Just them eight days, let me see how you're not yourself. So all them questions I had growing up, thinking she had something personal against me because my father turned out. I never met my father. I don't know how the fuck that dude looked like. But it wasn't her. It was a drug. She didn't hate me, yo. You know what I mean? Like, she didn't hate me, and that shit felt good. It felt good.
2: Just so you know, if you ever think about using again like that, call me and I'll remind you what it looks like. It's scary. It was scary.
0: So in our first interview, I asked you where you saw yourself in the future. Where do you see yourself in, say, 10 years?
1: Listen, I ain't, I, I people say they got five, 10 years ago. I, I'm thinking more like three right now. Okay,
2: three then.
1: You see what I'm saying? I'm on my, I never thought about this shit before, so I'm on my three-year goal right now. You see what I'm saying? Like associates, everything else like that, I'm on my three-year shit. Now, when two come, I'll probably be on my eight-year shit. I don't know. You know what I mean? But like I said, I'm taking it. Step by step, right now. But three years from now, I already see myself being more comfortable, more settled, more successful. Anything, you know what I mean? But not going down. I'm not going down. Like I, plain life again. Just do you settle? I just want the simple shit that people don't appreciate. I want that simple shit. As long as I take it step by step and not rush. You know what I mean? The minute I rush, if I try try to play catch up, I fuck up. You know what I mean, I fuck up. I might hit the lotto though. You know what I mean? your poetry? I just wrote something today. You want to hear it? Yeah. Oh, shit. Say word. <laughs> You're supposed to say no. You're supposed to be on the spot. All right. I got you. Nah, I was just sitting around the area today handling some business and I just wrote what's patience? You know what I mean? So I said peep this. Life. I mean, what's life with embracing trials and tribulations without mm, having patience? What's ignorance? What's judgments? What's betterments? What's gossiping without having patience? I can't reach my goals in tenfolds until I reflect or resurrect my news from my old. Looking back only seem to subtract, and I find myself on the wrong tracks, blinded by what I couldn't keep intact. God disciplines, so with each reprimand, I'm growing into a thicker skin, which brings into existence a greater man. My physical is living proof how patience is the key, which could only strengthen me to be a wiser me. So patience, how I love thee. I'm not single, but mm, would you marry me? Peace.
0: (laughs) That was T.O. and Susan Randall and me. The music for the show is by callous musician Brian Clark. If you want to read some of T.O.'s poetry, go to the show page on my website at rumblestripvermont.com. And if you want to hear my first conversation with T.O., just look for it on my website. It's called Plain Life. I want to thank the people at Cots in Burlington who let us record there and who fed us a beautiful lunch. And thanks also to Alex and Steve for being part of the reason this show happened. If you want to make a donation to the show, that would be great. You'll find a green donate button at the top right corner of the, the website. And if you want to tell your friends about the show, that would also be great, because that is how new listeners find the show. This is Erica Heilman with RumbleStrip. Thanks a lot for listening.